0: Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service which is already underway and listen to the message.
1: A little boy was sick on Palm Sunday, and today is Palm Sunday. A little boy was sick on Palm Sunday and stayed home from church with his mother. His father returned from church holding a palm branch. The little boy was curious and asked, why do you have that palm branch, Dad? And the dad replied, you see, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved the palm branches to honor him. So we got palm branches today at church. The little boy replied, oh, shucks, The one Sunday I miss is the Sunday that Jesus shows up. (laughs) Today is Palm Sunday, and I hope Jesus shows up. Palm Sunday is one week before Easter. It is a time when we remember the week leading up to the passion of the Christ, and so we celebrate today His triumphant Entry into Jerusalem. This entry, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, was a time of celebration. Although short lived, it was significant because it was the beginning and it allowed Jesus to fulfill his prophecies from the Old Testament. The Messianic proph- prophecies that were recorded in the Old Testament are beginning to be fulfilled in the new testament and so it is palm sunday that starts this process much can be gleaned from these passages found in all four gospels all four gospels record this time the story retells jesus his entry into jerusalem before he then would go into the temple and you know the story where he overthrows the tables and then he has that Last Supper, that Passover dinner with his disciples. And then he is led and he goes into the garden of Gethsemane and he prays. And then ultimately he is betrayed there and he is crucified. And so the beginning of that week is what we call Palm Sunday. In Luke chapter 19 verse 29 it records that It came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. I would like to specifically look at the story of this triumphant entry in a more maybe obscure way today, and look at it with the main emphasis on an animal rather than the crowd that celebrated Jesus as he entered the city. I'd like to make a few points around the interaction of Jesus and the donkey that he rode upon. I think we can take special notice of this small detail and make some applications to our life. So I want to speak this morning on the subject, loosed, loosed. As I mentioned, it's a cute picture, last week of Christ, as he begins his last week on the earth, the Bible records that there are 48 events that happen on that last week. Of those 48 events, the first to occur was Christ's triumphant entry into Jerusalem, that holy city. The time would have been a great time of celebration. Hundreds of thousands of people gathered into Jerusalem, 49 square miles. Greeks and Romans would have been there. Cincinnati is 79 square mile. And Jerusalem is smaller than that, and it was, would have been packed for the holiday. It was the week of Passover. The, the festive season would have had its own vibe to it. The city of Jerusalem would have been crowded with pilgrims who would have traveled from all over the world to be there for this week. Every inn, every hotel, motel would have been booked And uh, the ground would have been covered with tents of pilgrims who have made their way to join in the celebration. And so Jesus arrives. This is the setting in which he begins to fulfill his last week on the earth. Josephus, the Jewish historian, says that 250,000 lambs would be slain during This week, 250,000, before the weeks out, the blood of those lambs would begin to stain the cobblestone of the temple. And as the mobs would fill the famous tourist trap of Jerusalem, there was a prophecy on the horizon that was getting ready to be fulfilled. The prophecy came from the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 9, 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. This was no ordinary day despite the coming of an ordinary Passover week. Jesus was to announce the ultimate challenge. The Son of Man was to proclaim that He was the true Messiah, the King coming to conquer. And just before entering Jerusalem, Jesus and the true disciples were on the outskirts at Bethpage and Bethany. They weren't at the golf course they were at, those are golf courses in New York, right? Somewhere around there, Joe? Somewhere? Yeah, I think so. Beth Page and Bethany. Great golf courses. But this is not the golf course. They're near the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to his disciples Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat, loose it. And bring it here. Tells him to go steal a donkey. That's essentially what he's saying. And so what does this donkey, what does this colt's journey tell us today? The first thing I want you to consider is that, amazingly, Jesus would know right where to find the colt. Jesus spent a lot of time in this area. He had some good friends there in Bethany, Simon the leper, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. They're all from this area. But he knew right where the colt was. That tells me today, if he knows where a donkey is, he knows where you and I are today. Jesus knows where we are. He is not blind to our whereabouts. Have you ever felt maybe at times that God was blind to what was really going on in your life? But He knows the places we travel. He knows the places we hide. He knows the places we feel stuck to. He knows the traps. He knows the habitual sin that we seem like we can never get loosed from. He knows the past that we are chained to. God knows right where you are today. He knows the highways that you drive to work. He knows the routine of your day. He knows the frustration of your relationships. He knows where to find you. Not only does he know where you are, but he knows who you are. He knows your frame. He knows your makeup. He knows your DNA. He knows your history. You see, he knew that the colt had never been ridden. He knows not, not only where you are, but he knows who you are. And because he knew where to find the colt, he sent a couple of disciples to go loose him and bring the colt to him. The second thing I want to consider is that he sins for the cult. He sins for him. And I would suggest today that Christ still sins for us. He will do his best. God will do his best to bring you in proximity. To himself. He will do his best. To make it possible. For you to come close. To him. He wants to be in relationship. To you. And when it seems you're just. Tied up. With nowhere to go. Not sure about your purpose. In life. It seems. That God will send someone. God will send something in our life that gives us the permission to be set free. And what I think of those who of us who call ourselves disciples should take note of is that Jesus did not miraculously let the cult go. He chose to send disciples To go and loose the colt and bring it to him. It was his disciples that untied the colt. And we are reminded today that we who are followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ, are a part of God's plan to loose those who are bound. God is not just miraculously letting people go, but he invites us to be a part of the process. This would again show up in the story in the Gospels when Jesus would show up to a man named Lazarus who had been dead in a tomb. And Jesus would raise him from the tomb. And Lazarus would come out of that tomb with a miraculous intervention, but the Bible says, ironically, that he comes out with the grave clothes still wrapped around him. And there he stood bound with all of his grave clothes. Jesus had done what Jesus could do. They did not have the power to raise him from the dead, but he called them to do something that they could do. And that was to unwrap him so he could be set free. And so the church is a part of the process. There's some things that you and I can't do. We're not going to die on the cross to set anybody free. We're not going to die on the cross to allow somebody's sins to be forgiven. But could we be a part of the process of unloosing somebody who's tied to uh, some circumstances in their life and lead them to a place where they can be in proximity to Jesus Christ? The church is a part of God's plan. It's our prayers. It's our encouragement. It's our kindness. It's our gifts. It's our friendliness that allow the coat to be loosened. Third thing for us to consider about this donkey's journey is that the disciples went in the authority of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said... In Luke 19, 31, if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. The owners of the colt released him to the disciples, and they did question him. They did question them why they were releasing it, and the owners released it because of the, the authority of Jesus Christ, not because of the authority of the disciples. God has the right to see people loosed from their chains. Over and over, Jesus throughout his lifetime would show that we could have access to him if we wanted. He had authority and there was no demon in hell. There was no circumstance in life. There was no mistake. There was nothing that anyone could do. If they wanted to know Jesus Christ, they could find him. It would be the demoniac, the man who was completely influenced by demons. In Mark chapter 5, it says that when Jesus came near, that he was dwelling in the tombs. He had he, he, he was absolutely out of his mind. They had tried to chain him, but he had broken them. He was cutting his body with whatever he could find rocks. And it was when Jesus came near him that the demons could not stop him. And the Bible says in verse number 6 of chapter 5 of Mark, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. That Jesus still has authority. There is no situation in life that can keep you from making your way to the Master. The woman who was bleeding profusely pushed her way to the crowd. It was the man who was lowered down into a roof who was able to find forgiveness. There is nothing in your life that can keep you from the power of God. And Jesus wants you to know today that he has all authority. And that if you want to find him, if you're hungry for Jesus Christ today that you can find Him. There is no person that can keep you from Him. There's no demonic force that can keep you from Him. There's no natural force. There is no physical ailment. Nothing in your past, no decision you've made in your past can keep you from the love of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. You can be loosed today. You can be loosed today. You can be loosed today. Oh, thank you, Lord. What I love about this story is the colt was not loosed and just left to wander. But the colt was loosed and led to Christ because the Lord had need of it. The colt was loosed for a purpose. And why did Jesus want the cult? Certainly there was the prophetic element. But why did Jesus want the cult? So that others too could find Jesus. So that others could worship the Christ. And isn't that just how God does with our lives? Our lives are loosed from the chains of the world. We are loose from the bondage of sin, and God looses us not to just leave us where we are, but God looses us because he has an actual purpose for our life. You see, sin doesn't really have a purpose for your life, not a long-term purpose, A short-term, I'll use you while I can use you, and then when you're of no use to me, I'll throw you out. But God's purpose is an an eternal purpose. It's not a short-term purpose. And so he invites them to loose this coat, to bring it to him because he had a purpose for its life. And so we consider, does our life have the opportunity to carry Christ in it? Like that colt who carried Christ down that road, palm branches in the street. Does your life have the capacity to carry Christ? Does your life have the capacity to allow others to see Christ in what you do? And I see the incredible miracles that Christ did and why he did them. But here's what I want you to understand today, that never, never has a miracle occurred so that the individual healed could be glorified. Some of you have experienced amazing miracles, physical healings, deliverance from addiction, healing from wounds, emotional wounds. Can I tell you, Christ doesn't heal you and deliver you so that you can be glorified. He heals us. He delivers us. He sets us free. Why? So he can be glorified. Because if people only see us, they're not going to get very much out of life. But if they could see Christ in us, if they could see the Christ that set us free... Oh, their life would be changed tremendously. And so that's why we're called to carry Christ and for Christ to be visible in our life. Never has anybody been set free so that that person could walk around a hero. But anything God does in our life, anytime he looses us from chains, whether they're of addiction, bondage, worldly lust, whatever it is, healing us of sickness or addiction. It's never for our glory, it's never for our fame, but it's always so someone else can have the opportunity to see him. So what drew me to this passage was these seven words that Jesus used to describe the cult. It says in Luke 19, verse 29, It came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you. Where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here on which no one has ever sat. When I was working as an associate pastor in a church in San Diego in the year 2000, I had the opportunity to ride a horse in an Easter drama as a Roman soldier. That was awesome. There were three times during the drama... That I would ride into the horse, ride the horse, ride into the horse, nearly, <laughs> several times. Ride on the horse into the sanctuary. And like our doorways, they're at a standard height, is it six, nine, somewhere around there? And so riding in, I'd have to come into the sanctuary and ride down, come down the left aisle, cut across. And then go out the back. And uh, you'd have to duck your head to get into the sanctuary. So three times every drama I would ride in on this horse. uh, And it it was amazing. We did the drama, I think, five or six times over several weekends. And on a couple of occasions due to the horse going to the bathroom or whatever down the aisle on one of the other occasions, they would have to clean it up during the middle of the show, and then they put down kitty litter uh, to help the smell and whatever. (laughs) And so on a couple of occasions, the horse slipped and would slide and... If you've ever been on a horse, you, that you've felt a horse kind of move in an unnatural way, it's it's uneasy. And uh, one time when I came around, <clears throat> and it, the, the 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 most dramatic part of riding the horse was at the end of the deal, at the end when they would do curtain call, and so they would, you know, have me come riding in, and I would literally gallop down the aisle, going pretty fast, and then I'd cut the corner, come around. It's like barrel racing, you know. I'd c- cut the corner again and then gallop as fast as I could go out out the door, and you'd have to time it just right, because then I'd go, I'd go out. So it was, it was a lot of fun, but the one occasion when the horse came around the side, it, it clipped its front uh, paw or paw? Oof, uh, leg on the pew. And when it did, it, it, it stumbled. So it leaned like, woo. And I'm on it and I'm like, woo. And the person sitting right where Nathan's sitting, they were just like, ah. You know, it was, it was pretty intense. Pretty intense. But it's those experiences with horses when, when I read that detail on which no one had ever sat. That's a pretty significant detail. That's that's not like a, oh, well, nobody's ever wrote on them. Yay, that's wonderful. No, that's a very important kind of detail. Bishop Norman Pasley II tells this story, and I'm going to read it as he wrote it. Because the Calvary Church used to have Easter dramas. Does anybody remember the Easter dramas? All right. And he he writes it like this. Whenever there is a church dramatic production, there is risk. If it includes live animals, there is a certainty of disaster to some degree. This dramatic presentation of the ministry of Jesus would include... The crucifixion complete with the triumphant entry into Jerusalem prior to the Passion. He said precautions were taken. The donkey went two days without food to preclude any biological functions during the performance. (laughs) Plastic was put down on the aisle as further precaution. There was a walkthrough with Jesus riding the beast down the aisle, across the front and down the other aisle. It was done without incident. As a further implement of caution, two stout brothers with farming backgrounds were holding the donkey's harness as uh, they walked down. Everything was prepared. The tragic oversight in this extensive preparation was realized in real time. What had not been anticipated was the animal's reaction to the light's audience and joyful crowd which was waving palm branches and declaring Hosanna <laughs> as the donkey with Jesus on board emerged from beneath the balcony I, I, was it on this side does anybody know it was on this side as it emerged from underneath the balcony find my spot the, the sudden burst of light the proximity of the crowd And the waving extra spooked the startled animal, and he bolted. The lads held firm and kept him from a full gallop. However, the jolt of the bolt saw Jesus shift to the right as he rounded the pew and headed across the front of the church. It was the actor slide to the right at about a 30-degree angle. So he's riding now. Jesus is riding like this. And to remain on the beast, the mounted actor dug his knees into the side of the donkey, further spurring him to accelerate. (laughs) However, a full run was averted. What did happen was the actor rounded the corners, hands lifted to greet the crowd with palm branches at an angle that was precarious to say the least, the donkey's portion was eliminated from future performances. <laughs> so again, to ride a donkey that was never ridden would have been quite, quite significant. And when I read that statement, I, it takes, takes me a little bit to realize what Jesus was doing I was at a rodeo in San Diego one time where one of the competitions was, I wasn't in the rodeo, I was watching the rodeo, and uh, they had, the competition was to have horses lined up who had never been ridden, and they, they, the goal was for a cowboy to put a saddle on it and try to ride, ride it as whoever rode it first won. And I watched as these Horses went absolutely crazy to the point that one guy got knocked out, right? I was sitting there very close and got knocked out, and the horses just jumping all around him, and it was, it was a pretty scary thing to watch. And for Jesus to ask for a colt that was never ridden was a very significant detail. So what does it speak to us today? I think it tells us today that if He's going to be glorified, He wants to receive glory out of your life. If He's going to find purpose in your life, which I think he's gonna, He wants to find purpose out of your life, then we have to submit to the Master's touch. We must surrender to His hand. That colt, had to surrender to the master's touch. It wouldn't have been a natural thing. But he said, you know what? I'm going to submit to the master's touch. And because of that, my life will find purpose and my life will have meaning. I promise you today that if you will submit your life to the creator of the universe, Christ can receive glory Out of your life. Christ can. Get meaning. Out of a seemingly. Meaningless. Life or meaningless. Circumstances. And so. It's through this. Cold that. Submitted to the touch of the master. The touch of the creator. That he rides through. That road and. They cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. It literally means save now, save now. Hosanna, Hosanna. And as we consider the donkey on Palm Sunday, I was reminded of something Wayne Rice wrote concerning the donkey He was a a pastor. And he wrote this, You wonder if the donkey awakened the day after carrying Jesus through Jerusalem, his mind still savoring the afterglow of the most exciting day of his life. Never before had he felt such a rush of pleasure and pride. He walked into town and found a group of people by the well. I'll show myself to them, he thought, but they didn't notice him. They went on drawing their water and paid no mind. Throw your garments down, he might have said crossly. Don't you know who I am? They just looked at him in amazement. Someone slapped him across the tail and ordered him to move on. He probably muttered maybe to himself, these miserable heathens. I'll go to the marketplace where the good people are. They will remember me? The same thing happened. No one paid any attention to the donkey as he strutted down Main Street in front of the marketplace. The palm branches, where are the palm branches? He shouted, yesterday you threw palm branches. Hurt and confused, the donkey returns home to his mother. She says, foolish child, don't you realize that without him you are just an ordinary Cult. Just like the donkey who carried Jesus in Jerusalem, we are most fulfilled when we are in the service of Jesus Christ. Without him, all of our best efforts are like the Bible calls it filthy rags. They amount to nothing. But when we lift up Christ with our life, we are no longer ordinary. But key players in God's plan to redeem the world. Would you stand this morning? We understand today that Jesus knows where we are at. You're sitting in this room today, Christ knows where you are, He knows what you're going through, He knows your questions, He knows your confusion. But what I realize today in this room, that Christ is sending for you. He's reaching for you. I I don't think you're here by accident today. I, I don't live my life that way, thinking that life is just some conglomeration of accidental events. I think that God has purpose and He has a plan. And you have the opportunity today to be loosed to be set free and to be in proximity to Jesus Christ and the question is will you surrender to the master's touch today will you let your life be lived in a way that brings glory to his name will you surrender to his plan for your life or will you just be a, a stubborn donkey and just do your own thing and that significance that God has for your life somehow being lost when i look across this congregation i see amazing individuals who have surrendered to the touch of the master people who have said god i i'm not much don't have a lot going on. I've got some mistakes in my life. I've got some things I wish I could change about my life, but I'm going to surrender my life to the use of the master. And I see across this congregation today, many who God is using your life. You're impacting people's lives. And so today, as I invite you to come, I want to invite you to come to this altar, not Because you're perfect not because you've got everything together but because you're surrendering to the master's touch and his plan isn't finished with you yet he's not done with your story he's not done so I invite you to come today and we're going to have people pray with you we're going to pray with you that you would be loosed from the chains in your life you would be loosed from the things that are holding you back, holding you from areas and places in your life. Would you come today? I want to invite you to come. And maybe, maybe you feel free in the Holy Ghost, but I wonder if you would pray maybe with somebody today. Come up to the altar today and say, God, I surrender to your touch. I surrender to your plan today. God, I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your goodness today. I thank you, God, that you're not done with our stories. God, even when maybe we've messed up, maybe we haven't done everything we've needed to do, God, but you're not finished with us yet. God, I'm praying today there would be those that would find freedom in your presence today. They would find freedom today to be who you're calling them to be. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy that's represented in this room today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you,
0: Lord. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music,